Welcome to All Things Vegas, nourishing self-care for the helping professional. During our time together, we will explore a wide variety of topics relating to self-care, all especially geared to the helping professional. Our guests are all thought leaders and cutting-edge providers in their respective fields of endeavor. They will offer not only helpful insights, but practical skills that you can begin to use immediately. Patrick Marsalek works with organizations, individuals, and families using transformative self-understanding and communication. He is a clinical hypnotherapist, a facilitator, and a mediator. He is also the author of two books, a series of self-empowerment audio recordings, and DVDs. You can find out more about Patrick's work on his website, innerworkingsresources.com. Find that link in the show notes. Patrick, thank you so much for joining us today for this podcast episode. I'm really excited to talk with you about, you know, what hypnosis is. And I know there's a lot of really interesting research that's been happening more recently. And I'm really interesting to talk to you about that and talk about the relevance to how we can use those ideas to take care of ourselves better. Yeah. So yeah. That, that, I'm, first of all, it's a pleasure to be here and glad Thank to you. share. And that's kind of a big topic. It is a big topic. There's a yeah. lot we could yeah. dive into. Often I just start with like, what is hypnosis? Or you know, like, how do you define it? And we have all these ideas from popular culture about stage shows and interesting things going on. I would say many people nowadays more commonly have seen it in a more of a therapeutic setting and, and basically, hypnosis, I would say, as a intentional way of using our ability to shift our state of consciousness, to access uh, maybe unconscious or subconscious parts of ourselves, or to make changes in those subconscious or unconscious parts. So it can be used in many, many different ways. And it uses our ability to like go into a trance and all that is a state of mind where your normal orientation to the world is shifted or altered in some way. So in that sense, I would say it's a natural capacity. It's something we all do. If you've ever like been listening or having a conversation with someone and you notice they kind of go somewhere else for a moment, like maybe they're thinking, Oh, did I turn the stove off? And suddenly you see they're gone and then they come back. And I think that's like a natural little shift in a state of consciousness. So hypnosis makes that intentional and purposeful that you can learn to do that shifting for different reasons. So talk a little bit about the value of that state of consciousness. I mean, I think we kind of get that we can do that, but what's the value there? Yeah, that's a great question. First, I would say it's not a generic state either. But in general, shifting states tends to be stress relieving and relaxing. And it's almost like the vision I, I offer people is if you make a fist, like you're holding on to something, your muscles will get tired. And like if you're holding onto a rope, for example, but if you release and grab on with the other hand, you can relax the little first hand. And this like activating and releasing really helps our nervous system and our physiology. So consciousness is the same way. If we get locked into a certain state of mind where we're always in this kind of beta thinking, logic oriented, maybe outwardly focused and linear 
then we get stress, fatigue. The muscles of our consciousness get tired. They're not as responsive or able to react. So any kind of shifting helps. So often it's just like focusing inwardly on your breath or letting yourself close your eyes. People that do power napping is kind of a trance thing that you learn how to drop out and come back in again. So inherently, just shifting away from a normal habitual pattern tends to be stress-relieving for most people. And so tell me about the value of shifting out of our cognitive state. If we're in beta mind, is that the... Yeah, so beta is like brainwave frequencies that are most common active when we're thinking and cogitating and going about our day. (laughs) So that's like cognitively thinking about something, problem solving in that kind of way that most of us are probably pretty familiar with. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're in it and we're very familiar. And I would say again that there's been a lot of research that shows any practice you have of dropping out of that It's like it allows more information to come into your awareness. Some people talk about the beta state as being a closed loop. So it's very linear and logical, and it works because we can organize information, but it doesn't let in new information. If we drop and relax the activity of the brain and our minds or consciousness with that, it allows other kinds of information to come in. So a classic story of that is Thomas Edison, the inventor, would do all this very repetitive kind of inventing where he was just doing things very linear and logically. But he also had a practice of letting go when he needed to. And what he would do is he would hold a handful of marbles in his hand and he would put his hand on his lap and he would sit in a chair and he would relax and basically just let himself fall asleep. And as the body relaxed, his hand would relax, the muscle, the marbles would fall out of his hand and hit the floor and he would wake up. And so he wouldn't really fall asleep, but he would just start to let go. And that was often enough that he would wake up in and have this idea, like an insight, something he hadn't tried or information. And so it was just that really little shift that was that for all of us can allow us to to get insight or information or creativity. So it's being talked about in any kind of artistic format, people that are creative, that that's a really important thing to be able to let go like that. Then essentially the process of hypnosis is just doing that on purpose, like in a really purposeful, intentional way. Exactly. It's intentional. That's one thing I would say. So anything you already do where you are purposefully dropping into a different consciousness, I would say you're doing some form of self-hypnosis. It could be mindfulness, it could be a meditative practice, it could be creative visualization, it could be taking a power nap. Those are hypnotic techniques, especially when there's this intentionality that goes with it. So we have this capacity to be aware of other information that when we are in our day-to-day state, I'll call it that for lack of anything better to call it, Mm -hmm. you know, that day-to-day state that's kind of a thinking, problem-solving, this is my next thing I have to do, checking off the to-do list, whatever, that is a really, I mean, it's useful. I mean, that's how we can get stuff done in our days, but it's more really about balancing this other state of receptivity with the ability to do something practical with it. Yeah, I would say it's a lot about balancing and about finding that we have abilities to access in broader ways than just 
Some people talk about it as a narrow focus. Like when we're in that cognitive mode, our attention is narrowed down and we're really good at problem solving narrow solutions. But when we need to think more broadly or more creatively, then learning how to access those shifting states of consciousness are really important and helpful. And there's another piece that when we shift into a different state, we become more open to ideas and information that resonate with us. And that has to do with this phenomenon around suggestibility, which is also known as part of what hypnosis is about. And there's all these fears about it because, okay, what does that mean? I think when we shift like that and you are able to bring to mind like something that's important to you, then that thought and the resonance of the feeling of that thought tends to be more easily accepted. And so with this kind of shifting, getting out of a different state, it can be really helpful for people to make changes in something that's going on in their lives in a more easy way than having to fight with this kind of cognitive consciousness the whole time. So that's maybe tapping back to your first question. Mm -hmm. That's some of the benefit and why people actually are learning to do that. So like if you're wanting to shift a habit, maybe you have a habit that you want to let go of, an addiction of some kind, or just a, you eat, you drink too much soda after lunch or something you want to change. Then learning how to drop into that state and remember with clarity why it is you want to change, what those values are about, and then imagining that or feeling yourself saying yes to that, that change then happens much more quickly than having to just fight against that habit for X number of days or whatever until your body finally lets go. Now you can get there easier to make those kind of changes. So is it kind of like a conflict of values on a conscious to unconscious level of some kind? Yeah, I think that's a good way of saying it. Like talk about our cognitive awareness gets in the way of making those changes. And what that is, is that it's like the ego state or the conscious self has become more important and is kind of driving what we're open to and what we see and what we receive. I would say that's a functional part of us in that it keeps us safe. You know, so maybe a value around a need for safety or a need for predictability or structure that that part gets in the way of maybe a need for change or a need for wellness that's also fundamental and is not being expressed in the right. same way. So how important is what you believe? Well, so that's a part of it. It's a really yeah. interesting thing, you know, that belief is something that's tied in with hypnosis kind of fundamentally. And it's often paired with what we talk about when we say placebo. Like, what is placebo? Placebo is this ability we have that's pretty amazing. Like in, in medical trials, where if you believe in something, it tends to be more effective. So there's this belief connection in our experience and our consciousness that if we have a belief or an acceptance or an understanding of something, at some level we say yes to it, our body responds differently. And that's literally like producing different chemicals in the brain and different chemicals in the body so that healing happens in a different way. So there is this part about belief. And so what I have found is when we do this trance, some kind of shifting, and we're maybe trying to have more self-awareness of something that's going on within us, or we're trying to access that kind of creativity. When you see more congruence with the beliefs at the conscious level and at that deeper trance level, then those kind of beliefs can manifest more fully. And that's where you can like purposefully strengthen a belief if you have a belief, for example, in 
the mind is connected to the body and you can use that as a healing resource. That's a way you can actually increase that placebo effect if you're wanting to engage in something where the mind has a role in what happens in the body, which I would say is practically everything. Everything, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, what name one thing that it's not. But again, this is just about using that in a really intentional, purposeful way or something that is meaningful for you. Well, very much so. And yes. so, like in the therapeutic setting, then you you help someone with hypnosis. There's a teaching first, uh, often of helping someone understand that you can do that for yourself. You can learn how to do that shifting. You don't need to go to a therapist. You can basically learn how to do it. And while you're learning about it, you may encounter some resistance or a belief that may be interfering with the change that you're wanting to make. And that's where in that trance, it's helpful sometimes to have some guidance to understand and maybe look at whatever those core beliefs are. If they're maybe outdated or interfering with who you are now, it could be old stuff that kind of literally we need to transform or let go of. Then when the beliefs line up and you can really feel like a deeper yes of whatever you're trying to do, then the change is easier and it starts to manifest you know, more quickly. Yeah. And I just am trying to synthesize all of this in a way that makes sense to me and hopefully to the people that are listening to us today. Yeah, I think that sometimes what happens, and I've heard people say these kinds of things, and I'm sure as a therapist you have as well, that there is some kind of belief that this kind of process is kind of magical. And it kind of is in some ways, but it doesn't mean that there isn't an action that needs to happen to support whatever shift is going on, hmm. whatever congruency is happening. Am I correct in saying that? Because a lot of people- Meaning like, that there needs to be something concrete or- Yeah. 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 I, I, very much so. I, first, I would say the experience is sometimes kind of magical, especially if you're not familiar with that kind of shifting of your consciousness and you haven't learned to pay attention to it. So some of shifting into a different state is learning there's a value to being in maybe this kind of daydreamy or relaxed state of mind and that there's actually a reality and a meaningfulness of that state as well. So within all of this inner sense of my clarity, maybe the clearer yes of what I'm thinking about, Absolutely, there's a need to like to do physical things to actually put that into motion. And so it does end up meaning I need to make different choices around these habits that I'm trying to change and have consciousness there. And then that's kind of where the rubber hits the road because, yeah, I do need to actually engage in some behavior that's different. In terms of communication or expression, there may be I actually actually have to do something and say something and express something that needs to be said to somebody or have some communication around it. It helps you move through that. Yeah. And, and that's kind of one of the things yeah. with hypnosis is there's a sense that it is kind of mysterious. So a lot of people that really haven't done any kind of interior work, maybe they're new to that, and they'll come in and they say, I really want you just to fix me and make it go away. And it's hard because I could say it, I, there's actually this placebo thing we we're talking about. And if someone sees me in a position of authority, I could literally work with that and say, okay, you don't have to do that anymore. You know, go away. But uh, ethically, that's not how I work. And so there's an education piece of saying, like, I really need you to engage in this process. And when you do, it's actually going to be more effective and you're going to be able to incorporate what you're doing. Yeah. It's not a magic wand. You can't wave it because you have to be engaged in that outcome as well. Now, there's always that, as you put it, the rubber meeting the road. I mean, this is where you get to 
take this shift of awareness or openness to an idea that you hadn't considered or the congruence of what had been a conflict before Mm -hmm. and actually then do something with it in your life. Yeah, and the positive side of that is you get to experience that it's you and you have a sense of self-empowerment around Mm -hmm. things that maybe have seemed out of control in your life before. Exactly. So you come away more empowered by, I would say, by accessing these parts of ourselves that maybe societally haven't been really acknowledged or validated in the same way. So I think it's interesting. I know that you work with people in your private practice using hypnosis. And I, I you also had mentioned, I want to bring us back to this, this idea that we can do some of this for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So can you talk a bit more about that process and... Yeah, like maybe like how someone listening yeah. could actually do yeah. something. Yeah. So first there's this idea, back to my definition, a shifting of your orientation to the world around you. So one way to practice, like a very simple way to start to shift your consciousness is to pay attention to your body or your breath. So I would often say to someone, just maybe start noticing your breathing and just pay attention to the inhale, the exhale. That could be the sensation of the breath coming through your nose and your mouth. could be the feeling in your chest or your belly. I start to be more aware of my breath as soon as I talk about it, and you will too when you start to pay attention. And so that's one way that you may be familiar with, but it starts to turn your focus inwards. So suddenly you're paying more attention to your physical body. And then I would say also notice, is there a feeling that's going on? Maybe I'm feeling a little, you know, excitement because I'm talking on a microphone or I'm feeling a little heaviness because it's end of the day and I'm tired or whatever. So just that also helps turning your focus inwards. There are also like concrete things. Like sometimes I'll have, if you're sitting listening to this or, or I guess whoever you are, <laughs> like let your arms rest. If I'm sitting in a chair and I just let my hand rest on my leg, I can pay attention to the feeling of the weight of that hand. And just allowing that also starts to focus my mind on my body rather than my thought process. But that feeling of heaviness is something you can play with. And there's some many different techniques to kind of create more of a physical sensation. Focusing on that sensation, whether you're conscious of it or not, you're already in a kind of trance because you're then suddenly your awareness is different than it was a few minutes before. Into that place, then, you can bring in an intention. I would say even before the intention, what I've found helpful is to do a little naming, and that might just be recognizing, oh, I'm feeling a little heaviness or I'm feeling a little anxiousness. So I would do that internally and just think that thought, okay, I'm feeling warm sitting in this room or I'm feeling cold. And the naming helps, especially when you start to do emotional or mental kind of things. Maybe I'm feeling agitated or a little anxious, then I just name that. And I maybe notice that I'm feeling it in my chest or my belly, some part of my body. And it helps to imagine that I'm speaking into that part of my body. I feel a little anxious right here. And so then it becomes this conscious and intentional process of starting to ask or to think, what am I wanting to shift or what am I actually wanting right now? So that if I were to ask myself in the moment, maybe I just want to feel calmer or more centered. So then I can literally say that. So I'm feeling anxious. I feel a little warmth. I feel a heaviness in my hands and I'm becoming calmer. So notice the languaging, I'm saying it as it's actually happening, not saying I want to become calmer, I am becoming calmer. 
And that's, you're, you're directly speaking to that receptive part of your consciousness I was talking about that's more open to hearing it. So naming something I'm feeling, trying to be honest about it and actually being accurate. I actually am feeling uncomfortable maybe if that's happening. And I take a breath and then I exhale and I'm becoming calmer. And that is in a like immediate way to start to speak directly to this sense of yourself becoming more internally focused and having an intention about it. The intention then becomes becoming calmer. That That's the consciousness that I'm bringing into that moment. And then there's a simple thing. So maybe I just want to go deeper. I want to experience more of that. So I just feel like I'm scratching the surface and maybe my mind's going, yeah, I'm not really calmer. There's this kind of questioning part of my brain going on, then I can take it further and say to myself, so as I'm breathing, maybe I'll just count a few numbers. I'll count from maybe five down to one or 10 to one or one to 10. It doesn't really matter which way you go. But you tell yourself, when I reach the end, I will feel calmer. And then you just focus on your breath, maybe letting thoughts that go through your mind, letting them be and you count. You can do it internally. You can say it out loud if you're, you know, in a room where you're not self-conscious or something. And that again starts to purposefully move you towards that. Like as soon as you set up this conscious goal, when I reach one, there's a part of your body that then starts to respond as if that's true. Like it, I often talk about the unconscious, like it's a small child that's just literally listening to everything you're saying. And that part says, oh, that's where we're going. Okay. And so some part of you starts to, to lower the speed of your heart rate. Your blood pressure starts to drop as if there's little internal parts of us turning down the dials. And that happens as soon as that intention starts to go there. And so I would just, you know, count down and, and maybe I just lose track of the numbers and I come back and that doesn't matter. And just doing the process. Doesn't sound like you can really do this wrong. Well, it's the perception that you're doing it wrong that just yeah. needs to be addressed. So often I would say, like, whatever is happening, like someone will say, oh, I'm not doing this right. You know, I would, I'm, as a therapist, I'm really just trying to accept that and say, oh, yeah, that's normal to have that. And you can say that, like, I'm thinking I'm not doing this right. And I'm relaxing and getting calmer. Like literally saying yes to whatever comes through your experience will help the whole process. Even if it's self-doubt or skepticism or frustration or uh, literally some noise that's distracting you. There's a child screaming outside your window or something and say, okay, I'm, I'm irritated. There's a child screaming and I'm relaxing. And the more you can just be present with it, it really helps the whole process. It's important to acknowledge that. You know, I would, I can certainly see that, yeah. but not to let it stop your process. Yeah. I mean, that's the goal. And as we're more self aware, we can see it maybe and kind of sidestep it and go, okay, there's that part of me again. I don't really want to go there. I think that's where therapeutically it is helpful sometimes to do an interior process with someone else because they can help you see those things that you can't see sometimes. Someone else can just see, you know, you're kind of critical of yourself right now. Yeah, that's what's going on. Then, then you can say that, okay, I'm being critical and I'm okay. And then that kind of helps you notice it and go, oh yeah, there's something that I do. So part of this trancing, it, it, what's really powerful about when you do it is you can start to see these things, beliefs or ideas about who you are more clearly as something that is part of you, but may not be you. 
Like literally, it can fundamentally change your sense of yourself where you start to see there's this maybe self-doubt or this criticism of you. And for the first time in your life, you may actually see that that's a choice. It's not this interior part of who I am. It's actually another kind of trance that I'm in. So that speaks to something I want to say is that not all trances are necessarily good. Some of them, like they may be the trance we picked up from our early childhood or from our culture in some way, a belief system that we've embodied. When you start to do this kind of shifting, you can start to see more clearly, oh, that actually is a belief that maybe could be shifted or changed. And then the question is, does it really work for me? Sometimes it's, yeah, that that belief actually really has helped, and I, I like that part of myself. Other times it's, no, that's a belief that kind of limited me, maybe. I want to let that go. And it's also, I think, recognizing that, A, all of us have those. Yes. We all have them, and they served us at some point, or I'm guessing we wouldn't have them to begin with. Yeah, I agree. But yeah. we many times, I think, aren't aware that it's not serving us anymore. Yeah. So this would be an opportunity, an opportunity to recognize, you know, I can see this, this might have served me when I'm five, but I'm not five anymore. Yeah. And uh, and you know? often when people go to therapy or you're seeking change, there's an understanding something I'm doing is not working. I mean, I may not know the source of it or you know what it is explicitly or where it comes from, but, you know, with some self mindfulness practice or self-awareness, sometimes you can find that or, you know, working with a therapist or someone helps to shed light on those things sometimes. So I want to do two more for we before we wrap up. And mm. one of them is to, first of all, see if there is anything else about this topic. As you said, huge topic. Mm. Is there anything else that you think is relevant to the conversation that we've been having today? Yeah, it feels like I touched on a lot of it. I guess just beforehand, I had, I've seen in research recently, this like talk about mindset. And I think that's tied in a lot with placebo, which we touched on, and belief systems. So it seems that it's still cycling very in our culture. It comes up in different ways of talking about it. But I'd say if you're curious about that, if you've heard about mindset, that there are similarities to what we're talking about. It may be just a different way of languaging belief system and consciousness and trance and how we do it. But it can be really powerful in your life, how your mindset the mindset you have, how it comes into the things you're doing in your life. And whether you're feeling ease or effectiveness or not, your mindset could have a big part of that. Whether you think everything's going to be hard, right? Exactly. Or, That's another mindset. Not. That's a big one yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. I think that that is really, really important to recognize that, you know, we, we kind of come in to this process having some of this stuff that are, it seems like it's part of us. And I think you put it really well mm. to recognize that it's, kind of some of the guiding things that may, you know, be affecting our decisions, but we can be the observer of that. Yeah, we can start. Process. And I would say we like, so one idea is anything we do repetitiously, we learn, we have to pay attention, focus, we learn, the more we do it, it becomes less and less conscious. And so a lot of the habits and belief systems we were talking about, we, like you said, I agree, everything we do, we learned at some point and it served a function. So it's also really good just to acknowledge that, like you're not trying to shame yourself for something you did because it worked. Whatever it did, it helped you meet a need in some way. 
And that, yes, we can start to see more consciously, oh, okay, is that still serving me? And is it something I may want to shift or change? So with the hypnosis or, or these kind of practices, think of it as you're actually bringing it from this subconscious, unseen place back up into consciousness for a while and working it and reshaping it and crafting it if you can have more of a creative, playful idea with it. Then when it's working again, it'll become unconscious again. You don't have to keep working it the whole time. Wow. That's kind of cool to think about it that way. It's mm -hmm. a great com that's a great visual. Yeah. So Patrick, I have a question that it kind of is in like the, the, the practical realm of how we would use this skill. Because it's it sounds to me like you're building a skill to actually yeah. learn how to do this and do this well. So I'm really busy. I have a busy life. I have a lot of stuff going on. I go from thing to thing to thing to thing all day. Yeah. I think this would be super useful. Where do I fit it in? How can I actually utilize this if I don't have like a period of time to sit in a soundproof room and explore? Yeah, and yeah. actually relax. And actually relax. Yeah, yeah so the, like the processes I've been describing require a little bit of shifting in a relaxed way. And I do think it maybe when you're first learning it, if it's a very new skill, you may need a little bit of, to carve out some time where you're not going to be disturbed or have distracting sounds or other kind of environment. Then it does help. And it literally is a skill that gets easier. So like I, I had described counting down, like I, I literally with practice, I might be able to, when I sit down in my car, just take a deep breath. And count myself three, two, one, right down. And, I, and my body will remember to go right back into it again. And that's what comes when it's a skill that you've practiced and you've learned to trust and it will take you there. So that I've been able to do it. I'm in the middle of giving a presentation or talking about something and I recognize I'm just feeling flustered and a little nervous. And internally, I'll be thinking, okay, I'm a little scared and I'm okay and I can take a deep breath. And I do that outwardly, it's just like I've just taken a pause to think about what I'm going to say next. And I feel a shift inside me immediately and I can go there. So it literally can be something that you just dovetail right into what you're doing. And it, and sometimes what I'll say is like encourage people, if you like the feeling of the thought with the exhale and I'm okay, if you've done that as a, as a, in a relaxed moment, you can literally just have that your whole day, like where you, you sit out at your car after whatever and you take a deep breath and and I'm okay. And immediately your nervous system will respond. Right. Or as a kind of using it as a transition between patients or clients or yep. something along those lines. Yeah, very much so. I'd say if you have a moment you're moving, like when you mentioned maybe a doctor then transitioning between patients, maybe they have to physically walk from one room over to the nurse's station and then to another room. So you can like have this idea as I'm walking, I'm relaxing and I'm letting everything just flow off of me and relaxing. Right. And then physically the walk helps take you there. And so it can be that easy. And so it's something you do. I would say, I didn't say this earlier, but anytime you're experiencing movement, you can use that movement. So if you're walking or biking or rowing a boat or driving a car, your body likes movement. So take that movement and say, as I'm moving, as I feel this thing happening, I am becoming, and then you tie it in with your intention. And it's a magical thing that your body then responds because it likes the feeling of that movement. Well, I think anything that we can do to make this practical and really, really accessible is always a win. 
Indeed. Yeah, that's the goal for all of us is we need to apply it and make it work in our lives. So as we're wrapping up, Patrick, what I would really like to do is take us back to the process of how people can actually do this for themselves. Mm -hmm. So the explanations were great, but I would like us to actually line it out a little bit more sequentially so that people can maybe take notes or whatever. So so that they know what the steps are. Have a little structure too. Yeah, have a little structure. Yeah. So I would say first maybe noticing is there something you want, you're wanting or needing. (laughs) So (laughs) I didn't even say that to begin with. Like you might be feeling uncomfortable about something and you want to shift, or maybe you're excited about something and you want to change. Doesn't always have to be coming out of discomfort. So that kind of helps to plant the seed of an intention, something you're wanting. Then to actually then experience a trance, think of anything you do that helps where you get perhaps more into the experience of rather than thinking about. So I talked about paying attention to your breath or your body, but it could be another practice that you do. Maybe you're an artist and you find that whenever you do watercolor, you lose track of time and you're just gone. I would say, A, that's a trance. So you could totally use that if that's something that comes easily to you. So do your practice, do your meditation if you're a meditator. When you find you can notice you're in a shifted state, maybe you're less aware of time, you're less aware of thinking about yourself, then you can bring verbiage or thought process into that, often by naming what's happening and adding a suggestion to it. So I would say, oh, I'm feeling just kind of relaxed and calm, and I'm becoming, and that's where you come back to your intention. And you start to say what that intention is in a conscious way. What I didn't say earlier then is you may allow a little creativity at that point. So if we say I'm becoming more creative, that's your goal that you're working on with your trance, then you might imagine it and just play with it. You might feel... Like have an image of yourself just more easily sitting down and drawing something or singing if that's what you're wanting to do. Or if you're a writer, just having ideas coming in. That imagining, letting yourself having some of that imagining moment helps to plant the seeds of that in your consciousness. Then, so you could do that again. You can deepen it. You could do the counting like I talked about. There's some more like structural ways to actually go deeper into that trance that you can learn how to do really well. The whole idea of depth is the further away from your normal state is, the more profound the phenomena of the experience could be. So you could actually experience anesthesia if you'd want to go to a doctor and get your teeth worked on. You can do that with hypnosis. It's pretty amazing. Then whenever you're in that process, at some point when you feel you're done, you literally may just be done. You open your eyes, you engage, you go back to your normal state of consciousness. If as you're doing the suggestions, you feel the impulse to act, that also may be a sign that you're done. Like, okay, I need to call somebody. I need to do something. That's your consciousness saying, great ideas we've been working with. Let's do it. Yeah. And then practice helps. So if you can do it a few days in a row, it really helps to trust that, oh, this is something I'm actually experiencing. And I think that that's a big one is, can I trust this stuff that's coming up? Mm-hmm. And can I trust that I am I actually in a trance? I mean, that's where when you're learning it by yourself, you may be having questions. How do I know if I'm really there? There are some phenomena. So one is notice, does your consciousness shift? Are you aware of time differently? Or do you lose track of time? Are you? Is your body sensations interesting in some way? That's, those are often indications something mm-hmm. something's going on. Well, that's good because it kind of helps give us some 
something to kind of measure yeah, some, our experience against a little bit. Some markers. Oh, yeah. there's something going on. Well, I have really, really appreciated you coming in and us having an opportunity to talk about this practice. It's pretty fascinating. And as you mentioned, a lot of people have some really interesting ideas about what it is and what it isn't. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's been a pleasure talking with you as well. I really appreciate your questions. I would say if you're curious about any of it, try it out.